Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Steve Sparky Fighter, 1250 AM. The Fang. Follow me at Sparky Radio on Twitter. He is Ryan Horvath at MGM tonight, weeknights, along with Nick Ashu and Trista Crick. Check him out, part of the BetQL Radio Network. And follow Ryan, of course. On Twitter at Ryan Horvat. We're the normal ones that are here each and every podcast three times a week. The new one, the special guest, and unlike Ryan Wood, he's not a damn Mets fan. He is Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette. You can follow Pete on Twitter at Pete Doherty. Pete, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hello, Sparky. Ryan, hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, doing really well. Uh, I want to get into the piece that you wrote uh, as far as, uh, you know, Jordan Love and what he's going to have to adjust to with defenses this year uh, in the backup quarterback position uh, and so forth. But I'm going to start off with something completely different. Uh, I, I want to start off talking about Aaron Rodgers, but not about the trade necessarily. I want to start talking off, start talking about the Hall of Fame in Aaron Rodgers, because obviously you're the guy that pitches uh, and you pitched for Leroy Butler for a couple of years. Uh, and Leroy obviously now is in the Hall of Fame. And I would think pitching Aaron Rodgers would be equally as easy but going back to hub arkish a couple of years ago and so forth about people kind of have their their deal uh with aaron Rodgers, and we've seen how that's affected to and some other guys when guys have beef with certain players do you think that there could be some beef with Rodgers here that could really screw things up of him not becoming a first ballot hall of famer because honestly he should be a unanimous first ballot hall of famer as far as i'm concerned yeah and i think you know hub arkish's thing it was more about just whether he should be MVP that season. Um, you know, so it didn't mean that he didn't think Rodgers was a really good player. It just meant he thought the downside of Rodgers for that season, there were, there were other people who would have been right. better choices. Um, no, that'll be a, so I did Favre also. Okay. And so when we did that, so, you know, they, they have, there's 15 players, they do alphabetical order, but they go by position. So about halfway through five is up. And these meetings are really, these hall of fame meetings are like, they're like eight hours long. They're really long. Oh my God. It's the day before that used to be the day before the super bowl. It was at that time. And uh, so these, you know, these discussions can, you know, they can take a while and you get five minutes for your initial presentation. And before that had come up, there's one of the uh, members does a poll every year where he, you know, whenever he gets a chance to talk to a scout or assistant coach anywhere, he emails him, does all this. He, and he talked to, I think it was 199 people that year. And he just had them look at the list of 15 and pick five, 
pick the five of the 15 finalists who you think should be in the Hall of Fame. And he was going through some guy's numbers, like this guy had 80 out of 199. Then he goes, oh, and by the way, Brett Favre had 199 of 199. (laughs) So this was before – this is well, you know, this is several players before Favre came up. So when Favre came up, you know, I said, David Baker was the CEO at the time of the, of the hall. I said, look, David, I've, I've got a presentation here, but why don't we just go with what Jason said, 199 of 199. And why don't we just go with that? And everybody, everybody in the room started clapping because (laughs) they didn't have to sit through a pointless presentation and discussion. Right. And so I think, you know, it's because there, there are people in there who time how long it was. And I, one person had it at nine seconds, one had it at 11 seconds. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers will be a, a nine to 11 a second presentation. Nice. He will get in. There won't be anybody. I mean, four MVPs, all that stuff. There's just, there is no way. He, he's in for sure. First ballot without even a discussion. Perfect. Good. I'm, I'm sorry to, Go on and on. That was a long story. But anyway, I thought it's a great story, though. I never heard that ever told by anybody. So that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Sticking with Rogers. So, you know, last year, uh, you know, for his standards, obviously a down year. And, you know, if you go back and you watch those games, he missed a lot of throws that he usually makes. Also, you know, I mean, he was playing injured for the majority of the season. Uh, Rookie receivers, you know, guys he didn't really trust. So now. You know, if he goes over to New York, obviously the AFC is loaded. Do you think that he still has enough good football in him where they could win 11, 12 games, you know, whether it's just for this year or he commits to two years? You know, we saw Brady obviously go to Tampa Bay, and then we saw Peyton Manning go to Denver in those first two years. He was breaking records. And then the year where they actually win the Super Bowl, he was actually benched that season, and he looked really bad. I don't think Rodgers is quite at that level where he – I think he could still make the majority of the throws. But do you think he's good enough still to win a Super Bowl to make them a contender? I guess. Yeah, man, Manning couldn't even he couldn't throw the ball anymore. They went in. It's funny they they won the Super Bowl when he can't you know when he's a game manager. You know he's, yeah. he was Trent Dilfer basically. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I think Rodgers he's still really good. I mean you know I think everything you said there, Brian. I mean you know anybody who watched the Packers knows that was that was right on the money. Um, I didn't think he played that great even before he broke his thumb. You know, that second half against the Giants, you know, he broke it on the last play of the game. He had a bad half in that game, and that was one of the reasons that they lost. But all, you know, all the things are true. The young receiving core affected him, not having Watson for the first half of the season. A lot, a lot of factors there. But it's pretty, you know, he's, a, he's still a very good player. He's not the great player that he was where, you know, his thing was that always separated him. I thought was his ability to make plays outside the pocket. He could scramble around and he could throw darts and put the ball right on the money as well or better than anybody who's ever played the game. And he's just not as good, as good at escaping. Now he'll still have his plays where he escapes and makes a throw. And, you know, it's like, okay, you don't see that very often. Um, But he can't do it at will. Like he, like he used to. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think he's good. The Jets have a ton of talent, and they have a lot of talent on defense. I think they easily could win, um, you know, 11 or 12 games. I, I think they're a legit Super Bowl contender with them. Um, will they win it? That's a gauntlet of quarterbacks you got to go through, right, with Mahomes and Burrow and Herbert and Josh Allen. Um, so, you know, good luck. But, um, but yeah, I think they'll. I think he could have a really good season, and the Jets will be a good team for sure. 
let's talk about this uh, Aaron Rodgers situation with Brian Gutekunst, the Green Bay Packers. Because I, I, I came up with this idea in theory that this kind of was felt like almost like a setup uh, to kind of get him out of there. I mean, you give him some rookie wide receivers. Uh, you give him a guy that's injury prone and Sammy Watkins for his vet. And of course, that ended up going the way that we all thought it was going to go at that point. It almost was like, okay, if you really want to be here, you're going to put in the work with these young guys. You're going to do everything that needs to be done. And if you don't put in the work and it doesn't look like it's working and we struggle, we're out of this easily because we're not going to have a good season and we can go. Uh, and if it does work and you do play at a high level and we get to a conference championship game or whatever the case may be, uh, then that'll be best case scenario for us. It almost felt like they were trying to figure out a way to get out of this without looking like the bad guys. And they needed a season where it was below standard in order to do that. And it's almost like that's what they gave them to work with on offense to kind of put them in that situation. Yeah. When they also got themselves that, you know, and they, they did it going for it, but the, you know, the, the cap just kept squeezing them. They literally squeezed as much out of the cap as they could last year. And they're basically doing the same thing again this year. I, you know, I think when they signed him, I think they had the intention of doing it. They thought it was likely that he was going to be with them for two or three years, but to your point, there was wiggle room because the wiggle room is in the contract. Um, it's a huge contract and the guaranteed money is huge. You know, hundred million, 101 million guaranteed over the first two years. That's huge money. So that's a big commitment. But the one thing they structured in there that gave them an out, which they obviously wanted it in there, is they didn't have to pay that option bonus this year until the week of the, the, fir the first game. So they have until September to pay that. So that gave them all that time to trade them if they wanted to, and they knew that when they did the contract. So they left themselves an out. I, I, I personally think that they went into it thinking he was going to be their quarterback for two or maybe three more years, but they – knew at least there's a possibility these you know that things could fall apart because they gave themselves that that out with the uh with the contract what i wonder about more than when they did the deal two years ago or you know a year i guess it was a year and a month ago is going into this offseason were they did they really want rogers back if he would come back on their terms i.e the things you mentioned doing the offseason right. stuff all that um, and not bringing back Cobb and Mercedes Lewis and all those guys. Did they really want him back under those circumstances? Or did they know that if they told him that was the conditions, that he would say, no way, I went out? And so was that what was their desired outcome? Um, I don't, we all have our own opinions. The more the offseason went on, the more I thought about it. I went from right after the season thinking they should trade him to – you know, by a month ago, I was thinking, I don't see how they don't. Uh, just the, with their financial situation, with the way the team was headed, spinning their wheels, 10 or 11 win season, what good does that do them, you know, if you're not getting to the Super Bowl, um, that with the financial hole it put them in. I wonder what they what their real thoughts were. And maybe there was, my guess is there was disagreement among uh, Murphy, Gutekunst, and LaFleur that had to be worked out there. Um, that That's my best guess. I still haven't been able to get firm a firm read on what each of those guys was thinking. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you right there because, you know, it seems like LaFleur, you, you never know. I mean, he says all the right things, but it seems like maybe he'd want Aaron back. It seems like Brian's ready to move on. And then with Mark, I don't really know. He's probably ready to move on as well. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you is, do you think that, you know, if LaFleur, if it was up to him, that he'd be ready to move on to Jordan Love? I, I kind of have a follow-up to this, but do you think that, you know, if it was up to him, do you think this is more a Gutekind's decision or a LaFleur decision? Yeah, my suspicion is the same as yours. You know, it's that LaFleur coaches are always, all they're thinking about is a week ahead, you know? I mean, yeah. also, all he's thinking about is this season. So, so yeah, my suspicion is it's it, this was more – Gutekunst Murphy driven than uh, LaFleur driven. That's um, that's my best guess. Reading tea leaves, reading between the lines, little things you hear. That's that would be my guess, too. What do you think the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest jump that Jordan Love made? Where did you see the most improvement? You know, whereas maybe like two years ago, they weren't fully sold on him. Like, oh, we made a big mistake here. And then last year, do you think it's just the second half against Philadelphia or the preseason, the limited time or what they see at practice? Um, you know, what, what, in your opinion, cause I know that you get to see him a little bit more, what changed from last year to this year, if anything at all? Yeah. You know, I don't know that I saw him any more than, than most. I mean, we saw him in training camp every day, yeah. but once the season starts practices, you know, the 11 on 11 stuff is closed. So, um, all I saw of him during the season was <clears throat> mop up duty. And then that fourth quarter against the Eagles, you know, I thought he, he definitely looked improved in the preseason compared with last year. But it just seemed like in that Philadelphia game, he even looked like a different guy than he did in camp. And he just looked so much more poised, you know, and uh, sure of himself. And the other thing that jumped out, and I don't know if it did on TV or not, but being there in person, he broke the pocket probably three times. And he just he looked big and strong and fast uh, where c- compared to what Rogers looked like has looked like, you know, last year and the year before that, that was one thing that jumped out is he just looked physically bigger and stronger. He looked like Rogers did when Rogers was younger, basically. So I, I'm sure the Philadelphia game made a strong impression on the Packers and, but I'm also have to think that what they saw in practice from, you know, those, even the start of the regular season through the end of the regular season, they, they, from everything I hear, they, they saw improvement, you know, noticeable improvement during that time too. You know, Pete, I, uh, I've been on the Tom Clements bandwagon through all of this because I thought when they brought Tom Clements back, this was strictly an Aaron Rodgers move to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. And there was a lot of spin about, Oh no, this is to help Jordan love. I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. This is more about Aaron. Let's be honest. But then you see the Jordan love improvement and you're like, okay. He definitely helped. He definitely didn't hurt Jordan Love. He definitely, you definitely saw improvement from Jordan Love working with Tom Clements in the offseason, having a full training camp with Tom Clements as his quarterback coach. But then I was almost positive there was no way this dude was going to stay in Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers was going somewhere else. Like he's going to go right back into retirement and good luck to Jordan Love and hope it all works out. And as of right now, we still have heard no word of him leaving Green Bay and still being a part of the Packers coaching staff. Where does that sit? And are you kind of surprised as well? Yeah, I think all of us who followed this that closely just assumed it was, um, you know, an Aaron Rodgers thing bringing the Clements in. And look, if uh, if he's if he hasn't, 
you know, left retired by now, then he's he's in for this season unless something really strange happens. So he's going to be their quarterbacks coach. And he, you know, let's face it, he um, he had a lot to do with, you know, he was he coached Rogers early in Rogers' yep. career too. So, um, you know, maybe this guy is just really good at working with young quarterbacks. I do also wonder, you know, I it's kind of it's kind of unanswerable, but it does seem like you, know, you think back. I thought Rogers took a huge jump between his second and third, you know, in that third season, you know, like when he played against the Dallas game, that was kind of his equivalent of, you know, love against Philly this year. And I wonder if there's, if there's just unexpected value in a guy sitting for a third season, which is unheard of. It never happens. You know, two seasons, maybe one season, that's not that unusual. Um, But three is really unusual, but I wonder if there's something, to really be gained by that, especially with uh, Love, was he was even more he was more raw than Rodgers was coming out. I mean, everybody acknowledged it. I get, I went, I've gone back and read all the draft stuff, you know, that uh, I wrote, that other people wrote, and you, you talk to scouts, and they were all like, "This is a guy. There's a lot of talent there, but this guy needs to sit for a while." And then he got the trunk, you know, with COVID, there was no training, no offseason program. Basically, training camp was only three weeks. So he, you know, that first season of his was more like a half or two thirds of a season, you know, as far as experience goes. I wonder if he just, this is a guy who really benefited from sitting that third season. And so maybe, you know, if he ends up making it, maybe that'll be one of the reasons why, because, you know, we, who knows how many quarterbacks have been ruined by having to play too early and getting their sure. confidence destroyed. But yeah, I can't disagree with you on Clements. Um, something, you know, this guy just, he might be really good at working with young quarterbacks. Yeah, and what's crazy because, you know, you think Rodgers and he's just throws such a pretty ball, but his mechanics were so bad those first couple of years. And even at Cal, he was a great quarterback, but he used to hold the ball up really high. So, like, with Jordan Love, year one as a starter, what do you think the biggest adjustment? What do you really want to see year one? You know, what do you think the biggest, like, welcome to the NFL thing that he's going to need to work on is? Because we haven't seen him in a long time as a full starter. That last year at Utah State wasn't great. There was a lot of interceptions, but the year before was great. So you just wonder, you know, the talent wasn't really there. He lost a lot of guys that final year, so it seemed like he was forcing a lot. What do you what do you think he really needs to work on, you know, as he uh, takes over year one? The thing that jumps out to me, which is, you know, Sparky was talking about the column that I just wrote, yeah. um, which was talking to people at the owners' meetings about um, handling blitzes, because he struggled. Kansas City blitzed him a lot. He remember he started that game oh, two yeah. seasons ago, and he struggled with it a lot. I mean, he really had problems with it. And in the second half against Detroit, the, you know, he had trouble with the pressure. That's the hardest thing for these for to play quarterback in the league is when you're getting pressured, you have to make decisions so fast, and your reflexes have to be lightning fast. And so the guys who make it are the guys who can do that. You know, I remember uh, McCarthy used to always say about Favre, like he, I mean, he said this a bunch of times. He goes. Yeah, God, Brett could play so fast. And what he meant was it wasn't that he could run fast. It was, you know, I mean, Tom Brady plays faster than anybody's ever played the position, and he's got the slowest speed of, you know, the, he's slower than the four of us, you know, so or the three of us. So um, it's it's reflexes and being able to read things, and blitzes speed that up even more. And so I'll the, as much as anything, I'll be watching to see how this guy, if he improves handling all that stuff, and can he – get the ball out really quickly when they're coming at him and not throw interceptions and not make bad decisions. There's going to be some for his first year as a starter, but does he, do you see improvement? Does he adapt? Does he sometimes 
beat the blitzes and that doesn't it doesn't always cause problems for him. That's what I'll be looking for. What about this offense? Because I think a lot of Packer fans look at this and go, okay, Matt LaFleur finally gets to run his offense that he wants to run. No more of this Aaron Rodgers stuff anymore going forward. And everybody thinks uh, that this offense is going to be more running, more play action, more stuff to kind of put Jordan Love in a position where he only has to throw the ball maybe 25 to 30 times a game. And they probably don't want him throwing 40 or more times a game like they were comfortable seemingly letting Aaron Rodgers do. Uh, If that is the case and if they can get the ground game going, that helps to keep the defense off balance a little bit and help with the blitzing issue, I would think. But do you think the offense changes all that much now that it's his team? My my guess is it'll be noticeable to, you know, any of us who are watching fairly closely. You know, I think it'll look a little more like San Francisco. Rodgers didn't like a lot of motion. Remember that first year, all the jet motion? They didn't, you know, I I looked up the numbers and they they really they didn't hand the ball off all that often. I'd maybe be once, maybe twice a game on the jet motion, but they ran the motion a lot. And you know, that, that kind of disappeared the, the, the three following seasons because Rodgers didn't like it. He out, Rodgers also preferred shotgun to being under center. And, um, you know, I wonder I, – I'm thinking we're going to see both more of both of those things and the run game, as you talked about, because, uh, you know, anything to alleviate – anything to take things off of love to make his life easier as a first-year starter they're going to do. So, yeah, I think we're going to see more of, uh, more of the motions, the jet motion, and uh, – I think I'm guessing they'll be pretty close to 50 50 run pass, which in today's games is, uh, you know, that's really, that's a really close ratio. I think I, I would guess the average is probably around, you know, 43 57, something like that. What do you want to see them do in the draft? Because I know every year, you know, we want to see a wide receiver in the first round and it would be kind of funny. And I know it would be an epic troll job uh, by good if they did go with a skill position player in the first round now that Aaron's gone, when Aaron's gone. But what do you want to see them do? Do you think they need more to surround Jordan Love with some more talent to properly evaluate him? Or because the defense, we still don't know what the heck we're getting with the defense, that they need more pass rushers or maybe more speed there? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot easier and a lot quicker to go through what they don't need than what they do need, right? Yeah. Uh, they definitely need and are going to want to upgrade the talent. I mean, I think they've got a, two really interesting receivers to work with and um, – in Watson and Dobbs, uh, but they're they're really they're light behind them, and they're really light at tight end. My guess is, especially if they can, if they get a, a you know a first two day draft pick, let's say they get a two from the Jets for this year's draft, so that would give them four picks in the first three rounds. My guess would be there'd be a tight end and receiver in those two, but like you said, pass rusher is such an important position in this league to have talent there if there's one in the first round one they like I don't see how you pass that up Um, they could use you know another defensive lineman they could really use some help on the D line Um, even corner I wouldn't you know because they slot corner I wouldn't you know just dismiss the possibility of them taking someone there but if I had to bet I'd bet they'd take a receiver and tight end uh, two of it with two of their first four picks. Now, I think I've said the same thing about you know receiver and pass rusher in past years, and they ended up not doing it. So take it for what it's worth. But that's that's my best guess. Pete, I got a question for you. I, I, Matt Diamond of the Athletic uh, wrote a piece. I'm a backup quarterback, 
in your piece uh, uh, today, the Green Bay Press Gazette, you have uh, in with inside your blessing piece on Jordan Love a thing about backup quarterback. Both of you listed potential free agent backup quarterbacks. Both of you didn't list the guy that I think makes the most sense for the Packers. That's Matt Ryan. I mean, he was Matt Ryan's coach at Atlanta. Matt Ryan is just sitting out there. Matt Ryan got forced out of his starting job last year in Indianapolis and based on all reports was outstanding with the young guys that he was dealing with going forward was a great teammate. He'd be in a position to come in behind Jordan Love that if Jordan Love gets hurt, he'd be able to come in and run an offense that more than likely he knows fairly well with Matt LaFleur. There's already that relationship built. I feel like LaFleur and this coaching staff likes guys that they know uh, from one coach or another in Green Bay. Uh, why Why no mention of Matt Ryan? Do we all think he's going to retire or what's the, what's the deal? So the Packers basically have no money to work with cap wise. Um, They just, even if you max out whatever contracts void with void deals and all that, that they have left, if you throw in their draft, you throw in the practice squad, uh, you throw in the guys are going to end up on IR. You throw in that they got to go into the season with the fight with $5 million with a piggy bank so they can make in season moves. They have a few million dollars to work with unless they start cutting starters. And they've got other positions they still have to fill, too, some veteran spots. Um, so they, I, I just don't see how they can afford anybody who doesn't make either the minimum or just barely over. And I find it really hard to believe that Matt Ryan, who's made, I don't know, how much has he made in the league? I'd have to look at $150 million, $200 million, something like that. I just find it hard to believe he's going to play for anybody for a million and a half dollars in a season. That's such a big time commitment and everything that's just – you know, petty cash to him. I, I, so I, I just, I don't, I, I saw him as a non starter just because of there's just, I just find it hard to believe he'd pay for that. He'd so play for that little money. I'm guessing he's just sitting and if somebody gets their quarterback hurt, you know, then they'll come, they might come calling to him. So you think it's more likely they draft a quarterback to go as the backup to Jordan love and have that type of inexperience behind him? I don't know. I don't, you know, I think they could draft one and they conceivably could sign one at, at minimum pay. You know, I did like, I trying to think of some of the guys uh, who I listed. Some of them have been starters have started a few games in the league. Um, you know, but I think some, at least some of those guys might be had for, you know, 1.3 million or whatever the minimum is for a, you know, a seven year veteran. So I, maybe they go both ways. You know, but when Rogers first year as a starter, they had two rookies, um, Flynn and Brom, backing him up. But I thought, you know, Sean McDermott had a really interesting comment. He was talking about Josh Allen. This is just at the owners' meetings last week. And he said, you know, that meeting room only has like three people in it, you know, the, the coach and a couple quarterbacks. And when things go bad and you, you get a bad week or two, that can be a really lonely place for a young quarterback to be. And it really helps to have a veteran who can just kind of, you know, put his arm on the guy's shoulder and say, look, I've been here. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And then talk, you know, talk just tactics and strategy and plays and just put the guy at ease. So there's a lot of value, I think, to having a veteran there. So I guess it could go, it could go either way. I, if I were them, I would prefer to have, I would want to draft one late, but also have a minimum wage guy who's been in the league for five or six years and has started a few games as the other backup. If you can get one for, you know, 1.2 million or whatever. 
You know, if you go back like to Rogers' first year, they went six and ten, but the defense wasn't great. They blew a lot of games that year, but he was pretty good. Twenty-eight touchdown passes, twelve picks, and over four thousand yards passing. Do you think going into this season, because there's still a lot of veterans on this roster, you know, there's guys like David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, you're still paying a lot of guys. Do you think they look at this like a rebuild for this season? Like, for example, like, do you think it would be a successful season if they figured out, hey, Jordan Love is our guy, he's our quarterback of the future, but they only won six or seven games? Did they look at this like a rebuild year? Or do they look at this, you know, like, hey, we want to compete this season? I just, I don't know what the plan is here. Uh, yeah. I didn't know. Maybe you had a better idea. No, I, I'm sure that if publicly, if you ask them, they're going to say the latter. But I'm, yeah. I'm sure that they're thinking the former. And that if they go, if they went six and eleven or seven and ten, and came away from it thinking Jordan Love is definitely good enough and we like him a lot, then they would consider that a successful season, just like they did, you know, in that season for Rodgers. I, you know, even Lafleur. Sort of the giveaway on that was. You know, Lafleur is was tempering expectations for Love at the at his press conference, at the owners' meetings when he was saying, "Look, this guy's not going to be Aaron Rodgers." There's this is, you know, yeah. young quarterbacks have they have problems. I mean, this guy's going to lose even if he ends up being a really really good player. He's going to lose them several games next year because he's going to throw some bad interceptions or get strip sacked at key times. I mean, it's just inevitable when you have a a young you know, a first year starter, unless the guy is just, you know, extraordinary. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's going to be growing pains no matter what, whether love ends up being good enough or not, it's going to be a rough season. Yeah. You know, how are we, how was everybody so off with the defense last year? And I know there were some injuries and there was like maybe some regression from the guys, Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas, but this was a projected top 10 defense. And then same story as every year, you know, dead last against the run. And I think that's the problem, like, for Jordan Love going into the season is I hear people say they could still win 10, 11 games. I mean, even if that's Aaron Rodgers, I just – I don't know what that defense and Joe Barry what, – what did you see that we were so off with last year? Yeah, that many of us were way off. I was – you said top 10. I was thinking top five was realistic. Dang. And that was – boy, that couldn't have been more off. Uh, they yeah. were just as average as average – could be. I think they ranked, they were like right in the middle of the pack and all the key stats. Um, there were, you know, a couple issues. I, you know, I thought Barry was really slow to adjust. Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator was slow to adjust to some of the issues they were having and slow to adjust to figuring out what guys did best. I, they, they, they really miscalculated thinking Rasul Douglas could be their slot corner. I mean, he's just, he's an outside guy. That's where they're going to play on this year. Um, Savage, they were looking for a jump from that guy, and instead he regressed. I think that he was probably he was their most disappointing player. They had the two first round picks, who I think still could both end up being really good players. Um, one of them played a lot, Coy Walker, but was really up and down. Like he, when he looked good, he looked really good, and especially in coverage and chasing plays in the flat. You, you know, his talent just jumped out at you. But he was a liability between the tackles against the run and Wyatt. Basically didn't didn't get in the field till injuries late in the season. Now when they played him, he actually did okay. And you look at the numbers, he wasn't any worse than Kenny Clark was as a rookie. Yeah. Um, so maybe they erred in not just forcing him onto the field and seeing if he would get better if they played him. But you know, they I thought he was when they picked him the way he they described him. I thought this okay, this is going to be a guy who's going to give their pass rush a little like they'll use him on passing downs and their their pass rush. This will give that a little extra boost and. 
know, he didn't play enough to be any kind of factor there. So those are, that's probably the, um, the main things is, you know, a couple players, especially Savage and, and having Douglas miscast was big. And I thought Barry was slow to deviate from the offseason plan when things weren't working out. You got to figure out on the fly quickly what your guys do best. And I thought he was uh, a little slow to uh, more than a little slow to adjust there. A couple of minutes left uh, here with our guy, uh, Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press. Cause that follow him on Twitter at Pete Doherty from going from not caring really uh, a rat's behind about special teams for all these years to now allowing Rich Bisaccia to pretty much have say in personnel. It feels like as far as not only drafting, re-signing free agents, it, it has kind of become the Rich Bisaccia show. And I really don't have a problem with it per se because the special teams did improve so dramatically last year. Could you ever have foreseen a special teams coach having as much say as apparently he has right now in personnel? Well, you, you wondered, um, you know, I've, I've asked, a, I've talked to a couple of scouts for other teams about this, about how can a team be generally speaking so bad for so long on special teams like these guys are. And one of them, he had worked for a team that had a great quarterback and he said, you know, it, it's not conscious. It's not discussed, but this, feeling can permeate an organization that you don't have to put as much into the special teams yeah. because, well, we got, you know, we got for the Packers, it was, well, we got Aaron Rodgers, you know, he'll make up the difference. And so that can affect your culture. And I wonder if that, and they had a, the same thing with fire, you know, cause they had him to erase mistakes. And I wonder if that more than anything is what probably caused this, you know, basically 30 year with a few exceptions of, you know, pretty bad special teams play. So I think it was they, – they finally got tired of it, losing them games, you know, like in the playoff game against the 49ers, getting that punt block, for instance. You know, that was huge. And I think they just that, – that finally was – that was it. Enough was enough, and they were going to do what they should have done, you know, 15 years ago to improve their special teams. Well, the last one for me, it's funny because now with Rodgers gone, like we do a betting show and the Packers have the worst odds to win the NFC North. And it's just crazy to see the Detroit Lions favored to win the division. And I know the Vikings were really bad defensively, but who do you think? And I know we still have the draft and still some free agency to go here. But if you were to make a guess today at who actually wins the NFC North and who's in the best position just here the next couple of years, who do you think it is? Do you think it's Detroit or Maybe Chicago with all these draft picks, if you're a believer in Justin Fields, or maybe it's still Minnesota. But I just I, I wanted to get your opinion on the NFC North now that Rodgers is gone. Yeah, Minnesota's still so dangerous because they they got all that talent. Ever, I mean, Justin Jefferson's unbelievable. But yeah, I you know I think it's Detroit, and I think Goff's not bad. You know, I don't think he's any worse than Kirk Cousins is, is he? And they're they've built their talent base up. That it seems like they re, like they really like that coach and they play for that guy. Um, so I would my guess is that they're the they're the best team. The Bears. It's just they're, they've made a lot of interesting moves and they've had the money to work with. And they you know I think I don't think they've done any stupid signings or anything like that. And they've got those high picks like you talked about. And even with all that, it still is going to come down to whether Justin Fields is good enough, and then can he stay healthy? I mean, even last year, you know, he was hurt. He was remember against the Packers, he almost yep. didn't play in that second game. Those running quarterbacks, and this guy's an unbelievable runner, but man, they just they they have they it catches up to them. They get hit too much, and they can't stay healthy. So, can this guy throw the ball well enough to be a winning quarterback in the league? And I I think the jury's still very much out on that. So I would probably go. Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, Packers. 
DSP Doherty. Uh, check out all his great work at the Green Bay Press Gazette and, of course, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Follow him on Twitter at Pete Doherty. Pete, thanks for joining us on Curry Long, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun.